재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Some years ago I started calling myself Ginger Peter Sherlock Rosemary Emmanuel The Archbishop of Canterbury You may know me better as The Real Slim Shady Rumoured to be the new signing for Westminster and the Thames. And I just love to ride horses. But only if the Banjo Union Bolt has been correctly fitted. First chapter. It is time again for first chapter. We read you an excerpt from a different book every Sunday morning, usually from the exposition. Today I'll be reading from Kim Onsu's Cabinet. Kim Onsu is a writer best known for his Hargezade or Designers, which is a novel about a gang of killers who operate out of a library and a young boy who is raised on too many books and assassins. Kim Onsu made his debut in 2003 and has written two novels, both commercially and critically successful. Cabinet, Kim Onsu's second book that came out in 2006, is a rendering of a series of odd people with odd symptoms. They like to eat glass, some of them have been fused with reptiles, and the title of the book comes from the cabinet where the files of these oddities are kept. In the part I'll read today, we meet Ludger Silberis, a man incarcerated in a turn-of-the-century tower prison, kind of like Rapunzel without the prince. Cabinet by Kimonsu Ludger Silberis May 8, 1902 the most violent, devastating volcanic eruption of the previous century occurred in Martinique, an island in the West Indies. When the eruption began, lava and debris shot out of the 1,463-meter Mont Pelé at a speed of over 200 kilometers per hour. Unable to withstand the rising volcanic gas pressure, the layer of volcanic ash on top of Mont Pelé exploded. The explosion sent pyroclastic flow down the southwestern side at a monstrous speed. The beautiful city of Saint-Pierre, eight kilometers away, was leveled in a matter of two minutes. This came as no small shock to the residents of Saint-Pierre. They had barely figured out what was going on before they were engulfed by the tides of volcanic ash. No time to warn family members. Get out of the bathroom, Dad. The volcano just blew. Or say tearful goodbyes to old, impotent husbands. I had to be your wife in this life, but please, never again. No time to take down the clothes on the clothesline or jump out of the bathtub and put on a robe so as to not die stark naked. The people of St. Pierre thus met their maker on the toilet with promises yet to keep with their frightened eyes wide open. There were a few eruptions in the past and volcanic activity continued around the crater, but people didn't think much of it. Rather, they entertained a misguided belief that the volcano was protecting them and thought the smoke rising from the volcano picturesque. When the volcano roared in the distance like a wild animal, old women would put their frightened little granddaughters on their laps and comfort them as they were comforted in turn by their own grandmothers long ago. 
Don't worry, child. The volcano will not harm us. It protects our village from evil spirits. It's a great blessing that we have a volcano close by. But nothing about the 1902 eruption of Mont Pelee was a blessing. The death toll was 28,000, which included nearly all of the residents of St. Pierre and some tourists who traveled to Martinique to see the beautiful crater of Mont Pelee. Among the casualties were the numerous flocks of sheep, the sheep dogs, the cows in the middle of milking, birds that didn't have the chance to fly off, milk carts, piazza fountains languorously tossing droplets up in the air, the cobblestone streets, and the church bells that signaled every hour. They were forever buried, each frozen in its very last moment. The heavy, hot lava blanketed everything in St. Pierre, and slowly the lava cooled, turning the memories and jealousies, joys, angers, and love-hate of St. Pierre into one large mass of rock. But there was one man who miraculously survived this pandemonium. He was a prisoner named Lutger Silberus. This one and only survivor's lucky break is attributed to the strange prison in the center of St. Pierre. In general, the most notorious of criminals are incarcerated in dark, damp dungeons or someplace far and hidden from society. But St. Pierre had a peculiar custom of locking up its most notorious criminal in the highest tower that stood in the center of the village. Ironically, Ludger Silberus's abominable crime saved his life. The tower prison of St. Pierre was very tall, 48 meters tall. Due to its dizzying height, the prison did not have the traditional bars, and no prisoner had ever escaped in its several hundred-year history. That isn't to say that there weren't any flight attempts. In 1864, a deckhand named Andre Dropbar who was so brave as to be stupid, staged an escape attempt. Dropbar believed he could use his bed sheets, prison jumpsuit, belt, socks, underwear, towels, and so on to make a sturdy rope that was long enough to reach the base of the tower. The first step of his stupid plan was to rip all the fabric he could get his hands on into long strips. He ripped his pants, underwear, prison garb, bed sheets, and blanket and had to make twine on the cold brick floor in the nude. When the cold ocean winds howled at night, Dropbar survived the cold and solitude by imagining his delicious future with buxom ladies, meat stew, and good rum. When every piece of fabric had turned into rope down to the last scrap, Dropbar was moved to tears. Unsurprisingly, Dropbar's rope did not reach the ground. All out of ideas on how to lengthen the rope, Dropbar the Optimist decided to climb down to the end of the rope and jump the remaining distance. It may have seemed doable from where he was up on the tower, but this feat would ultimately turn out to be the stupidest of all the stupid things he'd ever done. The rope came down to about half the height of the tower, and the moss-covered tower wall made it impossible for Dropbar to climb back up Hanging in midair, Dropbar was struck with a sudden, important realization. 
So that's why there weren't any bars on the prison window. The next morning, the old shepherd on his way to the pastures with the flock discovered Dropbar hanging for dear life like a cocoon. Hey, Andre, he shouted, surprised. What are you doing up there without your underwear? Dropbar wanted to give the old shepherd a polite answer, but he was so spent from hanging on all night that nothing came out. Instead, he grunted twice out of frustration, misery, regret, or God knows what, and fell to his death. What would have been his last words? Probably, you old fool, what kind of question is that? Since then, bars have been installed in the St. Pierre Tower Jail. The bars weren't meant to prevent escape, but to protect prisoners from foolish decisions derived from boredom and staring at an object for too long. A rope made of bed sheets and underwear could only be so long, and the objects were always much farther than they seemed. The French treat their prisoners like wine. They keep the prisoners in damp, dark cellars until they mature and turn bittersweet. But Saint Pierre treats his prisoners like dried goods or laundry. They hang them up in a sunny, well-ventilated tower so as to let their clammy sides evaporate. For this reason, when the people of St. Pierre looked up from their work in the fields or threw their heads back to laugh hysterically at someone's joke, they saw the tower prison and the most degenerate person in the city. To the people of St. Pierre, the tower prison was the symbol of evil, of hatred, and abomination. It was also the root of all natural or artificial disasters. When the pig ran away, when the menace of a daughter got pregnant out of wedlock, or when the nest egg was blown on a bed, people cursed the tower. From major disasters to everyday minor inconveniences, people blamed the prisoner for everything that went wrong. Whatever the reason, whether or not it made sense, all things evil and despicable about the city were the prisoner's fault. The city priest preached, Why curse at your neighbors, your lovely wife, and your wonderful children? If you must curse, curse at the tower prisoner. The tower prison was hardly ever empty. The moral standards of the city fell apart whenever the cell was empty, or so the old folks staunchly believed. And more importantly, people got bored when the cell was empty. So whichever prisoner was next in line wound up serving a sentence much longer than his crime warranted. His sin, already bone dry from the wind and sun, idly flapped on the clothesline. Now, let's return to the story of Lutcher Silberus, the only survivor of St. Pierre and the last prisoner to occupy the tower. Lutcher spent a staggering 24 years in that cell. He was 17 when he went in and 41 when he came out thanks to the volcano. 
but not because he had served out his sentence. For these vague and incomprehensible charges, Lodger Silberis was trapped in this tower for 24 years until Montpellier erupted on May 8, 1902. Volcanic debris and ash run down the mountain. The city lay in ruins within minutes. Lodger Silberis poked his head through the prison bars and stared blankly out the window as the pyroclastic flow engulfed the city of 28,000. In the eye of this catastrophe, Lodger watched every death and tragedy. And he was miraculously rescued right before the lava pulled down the tower. The tower was tall, but how he managed to avoid the volcanic debris raining on him and not choke to death on the sulfuric fumes remains a mystery to this day. Anyway, Lodger Silberis endured all the hate and insults from St. Pierre in its tallest building and survived through the strength he received from them. Since the laws and customs that deemed him a criminal were buried and turned to stone along with everyone who remembered his crime, his crime was buried and turned to stone as well. Lodger was free. Reporters were falling over themselves trying to interview Lodger, but he said nothing. He stole away amidst the commotion in the aftermath of the eruption and disappeared. There were some rumors about this miraculous survivor, but the hype was short-lived, as most hypes are. Time stopped in St. Pierre, but Ludger's time ticked on. He went over to Mexico and lived in seclusion for 30 years at the edge of a desert uninhabited for miles around. People no longer cared about Ludger or what he'd been through. But 10 years after his death, a book was published under his name through a publisher in Louisiana. The book, People of St. Pierre, 500 pages long in tiny font, detailed the history of St. Pierre vividly, described the day of the eruption in a calm, objective tone. Perhaps Ludger Silveris spent the 30 years in seclusion writing this book bit by bit every day. People of St. Pierre had quite a few oddities, and Ludger Silberis described them in merciless, lifelike detail. Was this Ludger's revenge, a curse he had laid on the people who locked him up in a tower for 24 years to punish him for a crime that he did not commit? Many thought so, that Ludger's small-minded, maniacal need for revenge drove him to write such a book. But I am of a different opinion. Could this really be all he could make up about the people who died in the eruption faster than anyone could say boo? After spending 30 years as a recluse in the most remote part of the world? You can do magic Town the tracks we played in between were acoustic version of Koyangi Waltz or Cat Waltz from Shim Kyusan, followed by Sonyeon Mabopsa, Boy Wizard by WN Whale. Today I read from Kim Onsu's cabinet. This book is not yet available in English.
This week's quote is from Room, our roundtable book this week. In this scene, Ma is explaining to Jack their situation. We are people in a book, and he won't let anyone else read it. Once again, that was from Room by Emma Donahue. arrived at the end of our show. To learn more about next week's topic, please visit our website. I'm Jamie Chang. Have a wonderful week and I'll be back next Sunday at 10 a.m. with another brand new installation of The Bookend. Taking us out is Go Fly a Kite from Dave Holland Quintet. <laughs>